It is Pet Chat today. Welcome Cheryl Shaw and Dr Paul McCarthy. Lovely to have you both on the show. Thanks, Thanks Sarah. Sarah. Now look, it's felt like spring for a little while now, but it's just around the corner. So today we're looking at something that's really important for our animals and it does tie in with the warmer weather and the changes that we're having. Absolutely. Look, kittens will be really around very shortly because that warmer weather brings on the ideal conditions for dog uh, for, for dogs sorry for cats to um to breed okay so we're going to have a look at our cats in just a couple of minutes and we'll talk about the importance of i guess dissexing and things that you should be doing at this time of year absolutely we've had mm-hmm. this warmer weather for quite a while now but we need to make some preparations don't we for our uh, animals and cats in particular at this time of year absolutely because a lot of people don't realize that cats can actually um have babies when they're quite young themselves and i believe paul it's about at the age of about four months a cat can actually conceive. Yeah, sure. So it's often about body weight. So, so cats, it's more important that, that when they reach a, a sort of uh, a body weight that enables them to, to raise a litter is when they'll start to be able to cycle. Yeah. And, and because we're having that, the longer day lengths, that will stimulate cats to come into season. And so lots of people who have um, cats who are around the right weight um, and around that four and a half mark, certainly you'll, he- you'll hear them calling now because this yeah. is when they're going to start to want to, to breed. And, I mean, the weather is, let's go with, perfect for them because it's warmer... <laughs> Yep. There's things happening. There's young, you know, birds and things and mice around, so that they're going to have food. That's right. More prey, prey available. They can feed their, their their litter without any problems. So it'll, it'll stimulate them to breed. So that's why they start cycling, is it? And yeah, and start- so it's about sort of nature timing the the increased mouths to feed when there's more out there to, to prey upon. So yeah. much more likely to have that in the spring and summer. Is it dangerous for such a young cat? So the only problem sometimes with with very small cats is that if they're mated by a very large male, you can have the same issues as as all um, uh, female species are, which is they have problems in passing the the, the, the pup, or in this case the kitten. So it really is one of those situations where um, it's ideally, if you're going to breed a cat, you are breeding a cat of the right weight, ideally at least 12 months of age in lots of breeds, if Mm -hmm. they're very small, but... To be honest, but there are a lot of cats out there that we do not need to breed from. Yes. And so unless you're really looking at being a, a qualified breeder, the best cat in the household is a, is a de-sex cat. And I think too, Paul, with one of the things, a lot of people don't actually intend to breed their cat and they think everything's, you know, quite sweet. Yep. They've got their cat inside and they, they don't really think twice about it. But then you get those toms that start calling at night. They come around and they start marking their territory with urine and anal secretions. And the cat that's inside then becomes quite interested. Yeah. So And, 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 the, and the flip side of that is if they're also, um, you're getting those cats around your areas, it's quite upsetting for indoor cats. It's have... upsetting for people indoors well, that's having right. to listen to that at night <laughs> yeah, also. That's exactly yeah, right. because you do, you get that wailing of the cats, you know, sort of wanting to, to be together. They're, they're calling each other. And also you've got that marking. So not only is the tomcat marking, the female can often mark as that's well. That's exactly right. So yeah, staking territory. Yeah, so they can be actually inside and normally really good using their litter tray, but suddenly they start urinating on the carpet or oh. the flooring. Yep. So, you know, this is where some Sometimes people aren't really understanding what's happening with their cat because their behaviour has altered. That's right. Again, another behaviour that sometimes um, people will notice is that their cat suddenly becomes very vocal, particularly in the oriental breeds. They'll start to really, you know, do a lot more um, 
meowing and meowing and, <laughs> and, and you know sort of really yelling out quite a bit and they'll also um, tend to to walk around your, your legs or the furniture and arch their back with their tail set off to the side so that can be an indicator that your cat is really looking for a mate so and, and I know a lot of male cats will bring a young cat into season just by their presence being there yeah and oh. so you'll often have that in lots of species actually that if one does come into season the rest of the group will happen as well it happens in dogs as well mm. so it is important to be aware of that factor um it is a disappointing situation sometimes we'll have cats brought in for desexing who are already pregnant um oh. and so it is it's often very difficult to tell visually whether your cat has been mated or not so the best is to just be aware of your cat's age and if there is a risk of dese- of, of a pregnancy just desex so if your cat is desexed and then a tomcat comes and is calling at night does it still affect the cats and it, make them change their it, behavior it or not can. so much yeah so um as a good being a good neighbor um it is always really handy to have everybody in, in the environment have their animals desexed not only does it reduce the risk of, of stray or feral animals it just means that everyone lives in a slightly more social environment without the need to have cat fights and different things due to those territorial disputes. And, Paul, on that, the cat fights, they can be really nasty with cats needing to have antibiotics and lots of things. Oh, sure, surgery. Because they... they, Oh, surgery as well. Yeah, yeah. Because they they really do defend their territory. They want that queen and and, and they will go each other. And and the queen wants her land. Yes. So if she's got a mouth to feed, she doesn't want any competition for any prey that may be in that environment. So she can be equally as angry about intruders in her spot as well so i think another interesting thing that um, i've just recently learned that when a um a cat um when she mates the ovulation then occurs so it's not beforehand no correct so spontaneous ovulation occurs in lots of animals where the um the need to breed in a hurry occurs so animals like um, rabbits for example are also spontaneous ovulators and it's about trying to get as many um, litters out while the weather is good um, so that you can maximise the, the survival of those litters. Okay, so even if, if a kitten has just had kittens, so to speak, or a cat's yep, just had kittens... Yes, they can certainly cycle again. Cycle again, wow, yeah, that's, that's right. Cool. What's the gestational period? About three weeks. Oh, gee, that's... Oh, gestation. gestation. Sorry, no, that, the, heat, the heat season's the three heat weeks. Sorry, three Paul. Weeks. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. saw Paul just about have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking that's outrageous. Yeah, it's about 63 days. Okay. Yeah. All right, but, look. But cats can go a little bit longer, um, and that, we're not quite sure why that's the case. Often it's about litter size. Um, and because cats can have multiple fathers for their litters, um, it can also mean they were mated at different times. Okay. So, yeah. And with only sort of a two-month turnaround, you know, you can be getting lots of litters, Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly right. running around. We've got Jenny uh, from Fern Bay on the line. Jenny, you've got a question about two dogs. No, it's just a um, lovely story. Oh, okay. Yes, please yes. share. Yeah, my girlfriend has two mini foxies. They're sisters and they're 12 years old now. Now, last week, one of them seems to have had an epileptic fit. But the other one went in and woke up my girlfriend to alert her to the one dog that was having the fit. Wow, that's lovely, isn't it? Oh, I think it's just marvellous. <laughs> so, Paul, is there something in that? Can can dogs do that and sense yeah, when there's trouble oh, and they'll go and um, get help? Um, and interestingly, what will happen with a dog prior to having a seizure is they'll have what's called a pre-ictal phase, which is where the dog starts to display anxious behaviour. 
people have this as well. So people who have seizures themselves from epilepsy will often feel a, a feeling of doom. Um, and so, yeah, so a lot, dogs are very astute about picking up changes in behaviour and, and will often let people know if there's a, a problem with one of the other litter mates or even with one of the other humans in the house. They're just amazing, aren't they? They're Much more clever creatures. at us at reading body language. Yeah. <laughs> they certainly are. Mel in Wanji, your neighbour's dogs keep barking. Uh, yeah, we haven't been in this house for very long, not quite a year, and um, they're two really large dogs. They're about the size of a Dalmatian, and they bark at any dog or anything that passes by the house. They're on, they never get out of the yard, um, and they stay on this big deck where they can see to, to the front of the deck, um, the front of the house, sorry, but even though the deck's at the back, and they look straight into our yard, so they see our dog and just absolutely go berserk, and then... All the, to, they do it to all the neighbouring dogs that, that um, go onto their yard, that connect to their yard. Yeah, sure, Mel. Have you spoken to your neighbours about the, the problem? No, because the only reason we haven't is because the, obviously they, have, they told us initially when we first moved in, the first thing they said was they never got on with the people that um, owned our house. Sure. Um, and they, we think it's to do with the dogs because they plant little bamboos along bamboo along the fence and then they put up like even we think it might be an electric fence or something to stop the dog coming up to our side yeah, so um, this this is, I, I guess, more rather than being a, a a dog issue, more about a fact that we all have to get get along in the same neighbourhood scenario. So, I, I think in this circumstance, before the frustration for you, your your family gets any higher, having a chat to them about the fact they might not be aware of what's happening, they may not be aware of the amount of barking the dogs are doing um, if they're away mm-hmm. from the house, and often it's it's you know people get quite a surprise to hear that this is happening. So. Having a chat to them in a, in a in a very professional way, just saying, look, we're, we'd like to remain in a good relationship with you. Um, there are there are lots of things that they can do to assist barking dogs. So, as you've already mentioned, they're not leaving the yard very often. So, certainly, getting some activity and some exercise can help with that frustration. Um, you've already mentioned the fact that their location makes it easy to see to bark at, at, at people coming past. They could look at other avenues to where the dogs could be during the day, um, and they can even talk to their vet about uh, medication they could use for anxiety or um, having a trainer come out and teach them some anti-barking behaviours. So there are lots of avenues your neighbours could look at that would help your situation, but I, I wouldn't shy away from discussing it with them. They may not be aware it's happening. Okay. Thanks, yeah. Mel. And, okay, thanks for your help. The best of luck. You know, and it is a tough one. Um, it is a tough one. Being on the receiving end, when I was fostering dogs for a while, uh, we had a chihuahua peanut, and unbeknownst to us when we were going to work because when we were there he was inside so yeah. no problems but when we we're going to work he apparently was barking all that's day. right i had no idea and a neighbor left me um a, a note in the letterbox and it was quite nasty saying we're going to call the rangers well i had no idea so i've then posted a letter back on the letterbox so they can see and said look can you please come and speak to me about yeah, this of course. which they did and when we had a chat i explained that he was a foster dog that he was going in a week's time we'll make sure we'll make arrangements. I took him to my mother-in-law's house. So That's we right. fix the problem. So yeah. sometimes you honestly just don't know. And you know, getting, right. and getting an abusive letter, like that just got my back up straight away and I was angry as. But when they came and spoke to me, we were both reasonable and I said, look, let's fix this. And Sarah, I think you're exactly right. I think these, this is a really common situation. And as, as I was speaking, it's less often about the dogs and more about, about, about social 
um, dynamics. Yeah. And I think yep. it's much easier to speak to someone early on in the piece when you aren't so frustrated uh, yes. that you're now reaching anger stage. Um, and as you were aware, you weren't aware that your dog was even I making the no noise. I no idea. And this is a really common scenario. We, we hear that a lot through work. You know, my neighbours are complaining. As soon as they speak to them, the owners have had no idea that's been happening while they've been away. And as I said, there are lots of avenues you can go down to either retrain or look at other avenues that make the dog less likely to be stimulated to bark. Um, so... The, the best policy is to speak to someone directly. So fingers crossed, Mel, that your neighbours are receptive. And, yeah, you know, that's right. Reasonable people. Uh, we're going to go to Mark now from Hamilton. Now, you wanted to talk about your Fox Terrier. Yeah, yeah. I was um, well, a couple of weeks ago. I got a. I had a. T- he had a tick in the top left hand side of his ear, and okay. I, I pulled it out. And when I got it out, I had. I pulled it out fully and I put it in a jar. But um, I used the proper precautions to do that, and it's left like a tiny, little-sized pimple. Yeah, a little crater on the surface of the ear. On on the surface of the ear, yeah. Yeah, so, so that that crater will eventually resolve. So what when ticks attach? They actually um, inject an anticoagulant so that they can continue to feed from the blood supply and also it contains a local anaesthetic often so that the, the dog isn't even aware the tick is attached. So that crater is that little sort of feeding well that's being created by those injections from the, from the tick itself. But over time they will resolve. So people often get very panicked that they've left the head in or that, that there's a part of the tick still present. Um, and that's not the case. The, these craters are always present, but they will resolve over time. Oh, righty. Now, now, speaking I, of that, you are you are using a tick prevention though now that you've you've realised you're in a tick area. Yeah, yeah. I've, um, I use I use the um, the tablet that you give them every month. So there's NextGuard, is that what you've been using? Next, there's a few on the market, but certainly um, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because we've had ticks come in this week as well. So um, we used to always talk about the tick season being September to March, but you can ignore those dates now. The weather has made such a difference generally to tick populations locally, but I don't even think there is a tick season anymore. They're, they're here all year round. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's good you brought that up, so hopefully other listeners will be aware. Get your tick protection on now if you haven't already started because they are out about. Yeah, because he comes with me everywhere and I take him like to all different parts. I don't ever take him in the bush, but I take him to a lot of different parks. So oh, and, and, usually... and, and you don't need to go into the bush to get a tick. There, there are ticks in suburbia. So it's just literally yeah. about being... They're much easier to prevent um, and sadly they can be fatal. So it's really important to have that tick prevention on board now. Yeah, well, he's going really well. He, Terrific. He eats. He, just, he eats, he runs around, so it hasn't affected him. Perfect. Personality, Perfect. So Keep good. him tick-free. Yeah, good on you, Mark. Yeah, they are out and about, the ticks, this season. I had a friend post on Facebook as well, and her dog had been, a, um, you know... Had, yeah, had and we've had, a, had several had through our, and... our clinic as well. And the problem with the early season ticks is that they seem to often be very nasty. Um, oh. We're not sure why the biology of that can be, but certainly often earlier in the season, the ticks that are on board are, are often slightly more uh, toxic, so to speak. 
Either that or people haven't realised that those early signs of tick intoxication, so um, vomiting, for example, people are always looking for the classic wobbly dog. Mm. But often the early signs are literally just vomiting. And um, so if you ignore that vomiting for a couple of days and then it becomes paralysis, there's a lot of toxin already in that dog that needs to be dealt with before you're able to get recovery. And that can be the telling time period. So the severity of the signs aren't always the issue. It's actually the length of time that that tick's had a time. And it's getting it early, which is why I was so grumpy at my friend the other day because she's posted a picture and I think it could be a tick. I can't find one. What do I do? And it's like, just get to the vet. And it it was a tick in the end and thankfully her dog was okay. But you you can't just sort of sit around and go, oh... You know, just wait the day out and see how you feel. And, and that, that disappointingly is one of those situations is that, and often people will take the tick off and think that's the end of the mm. story. I've removed a tick, therefore my dog signs will resolve. And, yes. and disappointingly, and th- that's not often the case. And I do understand um, with a lot of people that is a financial situation and they oh, of think, course. oh, if my dog's not in danger, then, you know, I, but, you know, with ticks, it's just something you can't Yeah, they're one of those things you don't mess around with because you don't get a second chance. And, Paul, the other thing is there's lots of different um, treatments on the market Mm. Um, but you've really got to read the packet because some of those obviously do fleas and ticks together, which is great. You sort of knock them all over in one hit, but yep. you need to be doing them more frequently for the tick That's treatment. right. So depending on, so always read the product instructions because the product will, instructions will tell you the frequency you need to apply. Um, also, if they can be used with other products. So not all tick protection can be given with other medications. So always check with your vet that your, your dog is safe to use those particular types. Um, and be very, very careful that most tick protection on the market is for dog only. Mm. So be really careful. We get presented every tick season at least three or four cats that have been poisoned by using a dog tick prevention. Okay. So be very, very careful because that can sadly kill cats. And Mark, who just phoned and um, was talking about his foxy, he said he doesn't go into the bush, but he goes into a lot of parks. You well, can get them anywhere. So we used I've to been always, told they come off the trees. They're drop feeders, correct. Yeah. yeah. So they're often sort of sitting beneath a, a leaf waiting to drop down onto a warm body that moves beneath them. I took my daughter to the park when she was two weeks old and she got a tick. Yep. I felt like mother of the year going <laughs> to the doctors, but I couldn't believe I was mortified. Yeah. And, and in, they said, it's people, probably come can... off, and I had her wrapped up in a big blanket, and yep. they said, I reckon a tick's flown off the tree and into the back of her neck. Yeah. <gasps> well, see, we used to talk about locations for ticks in Newcastle. So there are the classic areas. So um, Charlestown, Cahiba are a high tick yeah, area. That's where we are. Yeah, Blackbutt around that area, another yeah. high tick area. They seem to like rooms with a view. They like sort of heights. Yes. But um, we see them now in areas that we had never seen them previously. Wow. Um, and so I. Yeah, but the, the story about ticks is quite an intriguing one. Um, ticks have different toxin levels um, in different locations, so there's no sort of standard toxin. Um, different breeds often have a, a worsened effect by ticks, so Cavalier King Charles Spaniels, for example, seem okay. to be very badly affected oh, by ticks. Right. So um, any of the brachycephalic breeds, because of their short nose, are much more likely to be affected by the, by the respiratory signs. So really, I think... Um, yeah, you, you, you can't be more, you can't be too protected for ticks. They really are a, a really challenging species to deal with. Yeah, okay. Uh, we're going to go to a cu- another call now. Betty from Wall's End. Uh, you've got a stray cat under the house, Betty. Yes, I have. And I don't know whether I have, it's a male or a female, but I have been feeding it because I feel sorry for it, but it won't come <laughs> near me. It uh, is so timid. Yeah. It's a beautiful looking cat. I've seen it. And I know it comes up neats every night because I've put food under my bedroom window and I can hear it munching. Mm-hmm. But there was, but about two weeks ago, there must have been two of them, and I don't know whether they'll 
you know... Fighting or Fighting or mating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a terrible racket, and I just don't know. I, I, I love animals, and I was even christened this cat Turtles, so... And it just won't come near me. It's, yeah, you see so, it outside occasionally. Terrific. I think, I think in this situation, you're doing a really lovely thing in, in, in helping this cat out. And generally, over time, the cat will become um, more accustomed to your presence. Um, and, and hopefully, we'll get to a stage where you'll be able to examine the cat or, or have the cat taken to somewhere to be examined. So it, it is um, time and patience with those stray cats. But, <laughs> but, but often, you will get success. So keep up the good work. Yeah. As long as I don't have a lot of kittens under the house. Well, no, and that'd be one thing to watch for because we are at the right time of year for that. So. Betty, are you in the market for a new cat? No, dear, I have a dog also. <laughs> we don't let him out the front. It's near the cat. But I think the first mistake you made, Betty, was giving it a name because once you name an animal, it stays with That's you. It's yours. <laughs> yeah, and, and cats well, choose their owners rather than the other way around usually. <laughs> Well, this is it. I have lots of things used to come in here, turtles and everything, tortoises or something. Oh, no. So I must just have that. You must have a caring nature. Yeah, you've got the the touch. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your call, Betty. And we're going to go to the phones now. Hello, Barbara from East Gresford. You're interested in tick treatment for cats. I better pick up the line. Hello, Barbara. Hello. How are you? We're well. So tick treatment for cats. I know there are tick, tick treatments for dogs, but why aren't there anything? Why isn't there anything for cats? Yeah. So the reason for that is that most of the line for tick treatments have gone down the pyrethrin lines, and cats are very sensitive to pyrethrins. So. Um, the, the problem for tick control generally is that, that to research a tick product is a very costly avenue. Um, and because there is more dog ownership than cat ownership in, in Australia in particular, um, the pharmacology, you know, the, the, the drug companies are just being wise about how they're spending their money. So disappointingly, I'm, I'm on the same page with you, Barbara, there should be more available to us. But the research that's been done has been predominantly for dogs because there's more money returned for the research that's been done. But certainly as far as tick treatments for cats, you can use Frontline, either the, the topical spot-on or the spray. Um, the spot-on, if you are using that as your, as your treatment, needs to be given fortnightly um, for tick. And if you're using the spray, that's four-weekly. Right. Okay, so there is protection out there for cats, but you're 100% correct, it is very dog-heavy, and the reason for that is generally because the finances have meant that they get more, more money back for doing research with, with dog medications. Right, thank you for that. That's okay, <laughs> I hope you stay tick-free. I'll persevere with my three. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks, Barbara. Thank you for your call. 49216216. We have a free line right now if you've got a question for Dr. Paul McCarthy. Now, I think it's time to do our Pet of the Week, Terrific. Paul, because we, we haven't done it yet. You can have a look at our Pet of the Week as well by heading to 2NURFM.com. Click on More and then simply drop down to Dog of the Week. Now, introducing Daisy. Please. Oh, Daisy's nice. Isn't she nice? And you you can see Daisy as well by heading to our website. Uh, She's a sweet seven-month-old Staffy Cross Kelpie. This might be a really tricky question, Paul, but how big are we we talking here? Like, Oh, it would be a medium-sized dog. Okay. Yeah. So not not a giant. No, no, no. Not massive. So the Kelpies have some longer legs, so there'd be a bit of leg there, but I would say we're going to be a medium-sized dog. Okay. 
Okay, she's a pretty dog, tan and white with a stunning white streak on the back of her neck. Uh, her favourite things are chew toys, raw bones, playing with her people. Uh, she loves going for walks and she also loves riding in the car safely, secured with the window down so the wind can blow through her coat. So she's a, she's a <laughs> nice. bit of a rev head. Yeah, Daisy. yeah. Uh, look, ideally, she needs a place with wide open spaces. She needs a backyard. She needs room to run uh, and an active family would be perfect as well. If you're active yourself, as she gets a bit older, she would make a great running partner too. She loves doing that. Um, so ideally a patient owner who is after a dog that needs a bit of exercise and she's probably suited to older children who have some experience with dogs and are willing to help her train. She's only seven months old so yeah, and she any will need more work, training. work dog combinations, so anything with some kelpie in there, these are really busy, busy dogs so it is important about maintaining that stimulation so that they don't become bored and destructive. And look, she's great with other dogs so if you do have a dog, um, she loves dog companionship so that wouldn't be a problem for Daisy. If you want more information, head to our website to nurfm.com It's 11 away from 1 and a free line right now if you've got a call for Dr Paul, 49216216 Any questions can be answered about your pets? <laughs> Within limits Within limits <laughs> We've looked at a few things as we're getting closer to spring that we need to be mindful of What are some of the other things that could possibly affect our pets this yeah, time of the year? So, so as everyone who is a hay fever sufferer, I'm sure they're probably starting to get that nasal tickle as well. Yeah. So allergies in dogs are going to start to flare. So as the grasses come back into their growth period and as the pollens and the other flowers we start to see at this time of year come forward, you'll probably see a rise in allergies in skin. That's both for cats and dogs. Um, and one of the things to often be very... Uh, if you can catch those conditions before they become affected by secondary dermatitis, you'll actually minimise the amount of suffering these guys have. So shampooing is a really good thing, Shell. You'll probably yeah, see that absolutely. with your, if you guys at work. Yeah. yeah. Because if they're not shampooed, their skin um, contains those pollens, particularly if you've got wattle trees out at the moment, they are flowering. And oh, if the dogs everywhere. are laying and getting that pollen on them, yep. they can get quite reactive to that. So yeah. obviously bathing is a great idea. That's right. And there are very good shampoos for that. So sort of talk to your local groomers like Cheryl about those things because there are shampoos that are for general purpose. Yes. And then there are some that are designed very much to help dogs with allergic skin disease. So That's right. it's, it's important to, if you can manage a disease like an allergy because you'll never cure it. Yeah. Now, I don't know whether this could be related to the time of year, but Cecilia from Cardiff, you've got a dog that has a cough. Hello? Hello. Yeah, she coughs most of the time. She's been doing how, that for two months, I think. Two months? How old is she? Uh, ten. She's ten. And has she got any evidence of heart disease, Celia? Ah, uh, I know. You don't know? But she's a very healthy dog. Yeah, so certainly a, a cough of that duration could be a, an allergic cough, so a bronchitis-type condition, and certainly the season would make a bronchial disease more likely to, to as, uh, uh, exacerbate and cause coughing. But also okay. in an older dog, it wouldn't be a bad idea to have your local vet have listened to the heart as well. In okay. that the other cause for, for, for a respiratory condition can actually be a cardiovascular condition. So heart disease is very commonly uh, a, a common cause for coughing in dogs. Oh, all right. And um, I'm going to say, I'm living in, on, on the back of my house. It's a bush. I know it's a lot of tick. But uh, I have uh, a few months ago one in my back. And I have a big reaction allergy one. Y yourself? Yeah. Yeah, so humans... It was a bush tick. Yeah. 
Yeah, so bush ticks can sadly cause a lot of reactions in people as well. Um, and you can actually become quite nauseous from ticks. So if you do ever get a tick, it's very important to speak to your GP about that um, because it, it can actually cause quite a, in, in some cases, a very large allergic reaction and even make you feel quite unwell. Mm, there you go. We don't have tick treatment, do we? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to go to Stella now in Charlestown. Stella, you've got a question about your dog for Dr. Paul? Yeah, hi. Um, we have a miniature Dachshund who will be seven in December. Um, we noticed last year that he, um, with his uh, right paw, uses the nails to scratch his um, gums on the inside. Uh, so we, we told the vet about it and the vet had a look and, and said everything seems to be fine. But he started doing it again. Now, it can be when he's finished eating or just at random times. I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, so certainly with your breed type, Dachshunds can be prone to a condition called skinfold pyoderma. So when you look at the lower lip, um, dogs that have a, a heavy upper lip can create a moist environment on the lower lip. And if you've got any skin folds in that lower lip, the bacteria will build up in that skin fold, causing irritation and, and, and often pain. So um, one of the simple things to do there is lift up the upper lip and look at the lower lip as it sits normally. And if you can see a creasing in the skin or a, a fold in the skin that looks red or inflamed, that could be what your dog's trying to access by pouring at the mouth. The second thing is that Dachshunds often have an, uh, an increased risk of deciduous teeth being retained. Um, and you, you can often get dental disease associated with extra teeth staying in the gum that should have come out as a puppy. Um, I'm sure your vet probably checked for that as well. But if, if it's always the same side, it can be related to that as well. And then, of course, there's the, the classic things you can get, such as irritations related to al allergies. Um, and the... Man, um, the, where the mucosal membrane meets the skin, so where the lips meet the skin in lots of animals, dogs included, can be a very sort of um, easy area for allergies and inflammation to occur. And is there anything we can do to alleviate that? Yeah, so for skin fold pyoderma, you can use creams and ointments in the folds to try and actually remove the bacteria from the site. Um, frequent shampooing with antibacterial shampoos or iodines in that local area can also remove that bacteria from the skin. If it's related to retained deciduous teeth, removing those is the simplest solution. Um, and if it's allergic skin disease, um, again, using low allergen food types, low allergenic shampoo, and talk to your veterinarian about there's lots of good new modic, um, medications that can help control seasonal allergies. Okay, all right. Thank you so much. No problems. Good luck. Thanks, Stella. With seasonal allergies, we sort of touched on it before, but I know with my Maltese, usually once a year he gets terribly itchy skin. Yeah, yeah. I think it's normally around this time of year and he yeah. has to always go on a course of cortisone and then it clears up again. Is yeah. there anything we can do to be preventing that? So as we spoke before, shampooing. So if you can remove the topical allergen from the skin before you get the histamine release, you're managing the, the, the disease without medication. Right. So the other thing you can do is look for um, if you can often localize it. Sometimes it's, it, this time it's, it's grasses as a big mm. as a big. Cause. Yes, I think that's what it and is. And so walking on paved areas or walking on road areas. If you've been out for a walk and you're coming back in off a grassed area, wiping between all the toes with a damp cloth and then drying the skin. Because he hates walking on the grass yeah, as well, and I think and it's that probably, it's irritating. It's, yeah, particularly buffalo grass in our local area is very allergenic, yes. and so it's often a common cause. But that can be 
maintained as well by using cortisone creams between the pads before you walk. So oh, if you sort of just okay. set yourself up without um, with a, a protection before they're contacting the, the allergen, that can often be a benefit as well. And there are also alternatives to cortisone now that don't have the same side effects as some of the corticosteroid treatments have for dogs. Because I don't like putting him on it for that reason. Correct. That there's yeah. you know, some side effects. No, there are some there are some good it. new products entering the market for skin disease and particularly for allergic skin disease that don't have the same side effects you see with pregnancy alone. Okay. Look, can you believe that's it for us today? We're just about out of time. Cheryl Shaw, Dr. Paul McCarthy, thank you both very much. Thank you. I think we feel much more prepared with our animals now coming into spring. Terrific. Yeah, yeah, I need to go and uh, get some shampoo. And (laughs) And some dick control. Oh, I've got that. I'm I'm all over that. Perfect. (laughs)